0: In a myriad of ways, no two lives are the same. But one of the few core essential bonds we share is a universal familiarity with loss. How do we continue to trust God's ways while we confront the unforgiving requirements of mortality? Deep within us, at unpredictable times and places, the Lord stirs our souls. He beckons us, calling us to fulfill something in his name. It could be a neighborly check-in or call to be a prophet. Whatever it is and however it comes, may we cling to the eternally hopeful reality that we will never regret a decision to obey the Lord. I invite you to join us in our study today and encourage each of us to request divine understanding, that the Spirit can teach us individually and specifically. Welcome to Come Follow Up.
1: There have been multiple times in my life that have gone in unexpected directions. They have definitely helped
2: me build my character and helped me become who I am today. I went to school uh, after high school at the University of Utah and I thought I was going to study certain things and become certain things and my career would look a certain way and little by little uh, that's just sort of changed and been corrected. I got married at 42, I'd say that's
3: uh, pretty unexpected. I was thinking I'd get married way sooner, but I'm happy with the way my life went. I went to grad school, got an MPA degree,
2: I started my own business. Heavenly Father just sort of has something different in mind for me and, and little tiny course corrections accumulate over time into a life that, you know, is not what I would have picked for myself, but is way better.
0: Welcome everyone, thank you for being here today. The topics of our discussion come from our studies in the book of Ruth and the first three chapters of 1 Samuel. And the first topic is, I can trust that God will guide and help me regardless of my situation. And the second topic is, I can hear and obey the voice of the Lord. And to help us with our discussion, we want to welcome back one of our scholars, Camille Frank Olson. Welcome, Camille. Thank you. Dr. Olson is a professor emeritus and former chair of Brigham Young University's Department of Ancient Scripture in Religious Education and a scholar who has written multiple books on the role of women in the scriptures. And seated next to Camille is Cami Nielsen. Welcome, Cammy. Thank
1: you. Thanks for having me.
0: Cammy is a motivational speaker and author who wrote the book and companion journal Daily Seven, Seven Steps to Becoming Your Best Self helping people realize their divine purpose and share their gifts, talent, and light. Well, we're very excited to uh, get to know you a little more, Camille, and hear you. what you have to say.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
0: So let's jump into our first topic. I can trust that God will guide and help me regardless of my situation. So Camille, do you mind giving us a brief overview of these chapters? Certainly. You
4: get Naomi, who is has lost her husband in a foreign land and then her sons and comes back home with no way to take care of herself. You get Ruth, her daughter-in-law, who loses her husband and comes to Bethlehem to try to take care of her mother-in-law. And she's an outcast, in a sense, in a foreign land. And then you get Hannah, who has no children, a loving husband, and is plagued with at least depression, if not really some hard criticism of women around her. And she knows she needs to be doing more and hasn't had the answer to that prayer. So th- that's the dilemma that each of them face at the beginning of their stories. I loved reading these particular um,
1: chapters. I just, I felt a connection with, with these women. I feel like they have gone through some things and I, you can just feel their hearts in their story. And it's, it's a beautiful thing to be able to kind of dive into these stories a little bit and get to know a, bit, a little bit about who they are.
0: Thank you so much. These three examples of women that are in some very difficult situations, I would love to just ask the audience, as you've listened to this summary of of Ruth and Naomi and and Hannah, how do you relate to some of the trials and struggles that they have gone through? Mercedes.
5: It makes me think of my own mother. She grew up in a difficult household. Um, Her parents were divorced, and so she had to help with the income of the family and she would work multiple jobs like all through high school and I think even younger and so I'm grateful for my mom's own experiences that I can learn from her example and that I have strong women like that in my life
0: I love that that's a happy story that because of the cut some of the struggles and the trials that that your mom went through you have a better life and I think we see that with these stories that they're, they're pretty tragic, yet there, there's some happiness that is involved. Let's talk about Ruth a little bit. And uh, from this, this narrative, uh, what are some specific things that we can uh, learn about her, some of the trials that she's gone through? Well, becoming a young widow, living in a foreign
4: land, and I think you could see you can see evidences in chapter two, especially when she goes to work in Boaz's fields. It, it could be very difficult for her, and yet there's no one else to do it. She's doing this for Naomi.
0: So, uh, I, as I was reading these chapters, I was really um, curious about the idea of gleaning. Mm-hmm. She's working in a field, and do we what? What can we learn from Ruth about? the fact that she's willing to get in the dirt and work. Can you explain the difference between gleaning and and reaping? Is there?
4: Yeah, Um, and I love this. This is part of the law of Moses that I think is so cool because you get landowners or people that, you know, those that have plenty and they hire them in to do the major reaping, which is the major harvest. But they have these scythes that they're going around and they're round and they don't, the law of Moses says, don't get the corners. Don't try to get every bit of grain. What's the purpose behind that? That is because people who don't have a way to survive, like women, and that's typically who the gleaners are, are women, can come in and they can pick it up, but it's all by hand, it's hard work. Neither Naomi nor Ruth seem to be embarrassed about doing it, but know that this is the way they survive.
0: Speaking of, of Naomi, so she's in this really difficult situation that she finds herself in. And uh, she has this conversation with her daughters-in-law. We get some insight into the type of person she is. This is not a weak woman. Uh, can we go to the book of Ruth um, and look at uh, verses 12 and 13? Uh, Cami, do you mind reading those for us? Sure, of course.
1: Turn again, my daughters, go your way. For I am too old to have a husband. For it grieveth me much for your sakes and the hand of the Lord is gone out against me.
0: I would love to get both your thoughts. From what she's telling you, what do we learn about Naomi? She's more concerned about her
4: daughter's-in-law than she Mm -hmm. is about herself, isn't she? Mm -hmm. And she's saying, I can't, I, you know, I'm too old to supply you another husband. But you have more of a hope here, so you stay here and I'll find my way. I
1: think I think it's a beautiful thing to see how much love she must have for these for her daughters-in-law. Like I think the relationship between them is is you can you can tell that it's it's a good relationship. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's showing her sacrifice because I think she really does care so much about what happens to them and yet she's willing to say I care more about you. Go find what you need to mm-hmm. and I'll I'll figure it out kind of a thing.
0: Okay, so let's get an overview of, of Hannah.
4: Ah, oh, Hannah. I mean, see, these are women that we're more familiar with, really, when you think about it. But yet you dig into their stories and you start relating to them. Hannah is in a good marriage. We don't know from the Bible how long she was married to Elkanah. But the idea seems to be there's been a time and she's barren. She's not able to bear children. And so he has the option of either divorcing her or marrying a second woman and he loves Hannah and he marries Peninnah and Peninnah has children. And it is hard on, on Hannah. And, and we read in here that Peninnah, the, from the Hebrew in the King James, that Peninnah was her adversary and vexed her sorely. I love the Septuagint translation of this. The Septuagint, is, you remember, is the Greek translation of the Old Testament that was used in New Testament times primarily, rather than the Masoretic text, which is the Hebrew translation. And in the Septuagint, Penina is not the adversary. It is depression. In the Septuagint, it reads, For the Lord gave her no child in her affliction, and according to the despondency of her affliction. And she was dispirited on this account that the Lord shut up her womb so as not to give her a child. So she did year by year in going up to the house of the Lord, and she was dispirited and wept and did not eat. I think we can all relate to those feelings if something in our life.
0: Cammie, I want to give you some time to, to share your story and, and how you specifically connect to some of these women. And then I'd love to get into what you have done about that.
1: So I was just barely reading through a little bit as we were talking about Hannah. And in the next, the very next verse, in verse 10 of Samuel 1, it says, And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And I think I know a little bit about what bitterness is. And I think all of us can relate in one way or another at different times in our life what that bitterness must feel like. And for me personally, um, I went through a divorce about a year and a half ago. And there, there were... Many, many times when I poured myself, my soul out to the Lord, you talked about depression a little bit, and in other aspects of my life, I was as happy as I could be. But there was there was a heaviness here that I, my heart was just broken, and and so I can I can understand how they must have felt.
0: That reminds me, as you're as you're talking, uh, we have an amazing quote from Elaine Dalton that is it connects perfectly with what you just said. And she's talking uh, specifically about Ruth and Hannah. She says, like Ruth and Hannah, all of us will experience adversity. We may not always understand the Lord's design for our lives, but it is my testimony that we are never alone. He is ever with us and he promises us, you cannot behold with your natural eyes for the present time, the design of your God concerning those things which shall come hereafter and the glory which shall follow after much tribulation.
1: Yeah, um, I can relate with those quotes a lot. Um, I think that there was, at that time, I look back and I I remember it being, at times, dark. And I remember it being foggy and, and being unsure. And the, the future felt very unknown.
4: I turned to Heavenly Father on a very regular basis. I've got a question. Did you notice your prayers changing As you got through that, did they, and and if so, how did they change?
1: Absolutely. It kind of went from Heavenly Father, like, fix this, please, like, fix this. Like, I want this to be okay, to Heavenly Father, help me to be able to know how I move forward, to thank you for helping me to
4: figure this out. I mean, I ask that because I think that's what happened to Hannah's prayer, she says she goes up to the tabernacle and she goes there with her husband and the family whole family every year and she prays and i just i'm sure this is not the first time she's prayed for a child and i i wonder if there isn't some time there that there's certain things you learn in those years of barrenness darkness unrealized righteous desires that something happens. And instead of, she's not just now asking for a child, she's she's asking to be part of God's plan in a much bigger way. And she says, I will give him back. I will give this child back to you for all of his days.
0: I love that. As uh, Cami, as you were talking, I was just curious, I'm sure so many people can relate to your story as well. So I wanna hear from the audience, when have you felt God's presence as you have gone through a trial. Clayton.
6: Yeah, as of recently in my life, I'm going to college right now. And as a college student, I've started to realize things about me where I suffer various ADHD tendencies and lots of, you know, everyone has their seasons of depression. And Cammie was just reminding me when she was talking about, you know, these times where we ask why and why God, I remember in my prayers a lot, I would say, you know, why? You, you put me in this you know, very high intense, you know, career and a high intense, you know, program. Why did you build me to almost fail? And her comments made me think back to one of my favorite verses. It's, um, it's Paul in Second Corinthians when he's talking about his thorn in his flesh. And he talks about, you know, I, I would be exalted. I, I'd be great if I didn't have this thorn in the flesh. And then I I love the verse. If I could just read it real quick. The Lord responds to him and says, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul says, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in mine infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And I think in my life, that is exactly it. You know, that's the answer I get when I ask why. Why do I have this thorn in my flesh? You know, Christ comes back and he says, You know, so that I can glorify myself through you. My grace is sufficient, notwithstanding your your infirmities. Now you really have to rely on me because you have this thorn in your in your flesh. Mm
0: -hmm. So once you've made that realization, that discovery, how's it been going?
6: When I when I stop asking why and more what can I do now, what notwithstanding this? Answers seem to come a lot faster, a lot better things become a lot more clear.
0: That's cool. I love that. So now that we've heard about a lot of the trials that these women have gone through, can we get a a brief overview of how these stories played out?
4: Yes. Naomi is thrilled because she becomes a grandmother. That's because (laughs) Ruth marries Boaz and they have this son and the town of bethlehem blesses them they are so thrilled with it and and their son becomes an ancestor to david the first king and then all the way down to jesus christ in the story of hannah she gets pregnant gives birth to a son she gives that son samuel back to the lord praises God for the blessing of having that son, and then he blesses her with five more children. It turns out beautifully,
3: Beautiful.
4: and they're very joyful. A story of loss, grief, and death turns into a story of life, restoration, and
0: joy in each case. Tammy, what are some of the things that you did have to overcome? How did you do that, and how is life like now?
1: I remember as, as I was going through that time, there was, there was a significant amount of pain. So what I would imagine for myself is I would take that pain and I would put it in a duffel bag and I would zip it up and I would put it, I would imagine that I put it at the Savior's feet. And I would say, I, I can't carry this pain. It's too heavy and it's too hard. And He took that. and And so I was able to progress through It it felt like a long time of um, different growing and learning experiences. I turned often to the scriptures. I wrote in my journal a lot. And Heavenly Father was blessing me like crazy in the meantime. He is my strength. The Savior is my rock.
0: What a great way to wrap up this first discussion topic of I can trust that God will guide and help me regardless of my situation.
1: For me, hearing the voice of the Lord is something that evolves over time. That I, as I continuously pray and ask Heavenly Father to help me to hear the voice of the Lord, that He shows me in new ways and in in new um, learning and growing situations. That I'm able to hear Him in in different ways through through um, feelings in my heart and and thoughts in my mind, and all of them are I know are are the Holy Ghost
2: speaking to me and and really wanting me to know Heavenly Father's will. It's something that through the gift of the Holy Ghost that calls all things to our remembrance. I'm reminded of something that I heard once before, something from my mental playlist, like a scripture or a primary song or the young women's theme, something that somebody said that didn't really stick with me at that moment, but the Holy Ghost calls that up for me later, and I think, oh, that's on purpose. I needed that now, and I'm remembering it for a reason.
0: Our second topic of discussion is, I can hear and obey the voice of the Lord. And this is something that has been reemphasized of late by President Nelson. He says, as we seek to be disciples of Jesus Christ, our efforts to hear him need to be ever more intentional. It takes conscious and consistent effort to fill our lives with his words, his teachings, his truths. All right, so uh, what have you done specifically in regards to Uh, President Nelson's invitation to hear him, to hear him more. Alex.
3: A while back, my dad decided that he wanted to have us read a chapter of the Book of Mormon every single day. So he decided that he would read a chapter himself, and then every day he'd send us that chapter and then say something that stood out from it. So every single morning I wake up to a text from my dad saying what chapter of the Book of Mormon we're in, and then the guilt, of course, I have to read it then. (laughs) But I've noticed how it's completely just like changed my life, especially in this past year. Um, A few years ago, like I was diagnosed with anxiety, and it's just felt like an uphill battle since then. It's just very nice to have this scripture that I can turn to every single day and have a father who has such a strong testimony in it. And when I read these scriptures, I can hear God's words talking to me because they always apply to that day. And it's really wonderful for me.
0: So what, is that, uh, what does that feel like when you, you say you can hear God speaking to you?
3: Well, it kind of depends like okay. where I'm at. Um, you know how it's either like a calm, soothing voice or it's like a stern voice. It changes to be applicable to me. And that's the best part about it for the way I can hear his voice is because it's not the same way every single time. So I really have to take the time to really be able to understand him and be able to hear his voice.
0: Thank you so much. It it is a process, Mm -hmm. learning to hear that voice. And we have a great example uh, of just that uh, in in these scriptures. You want to... Tell us a little bit about that.
4: We're in chapter 3 of 1 Samuel. And I just need to read the very first of that chapter because I think it tells just kind of what a challenge it was, particularly at that time, to hear his voice. The first verse says, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. So here we have little boy Samuel growing up, in Eli's home. But we get the idea when the word of the Lord is precious, that seems to suggest people don't recognize it. People are not hearing his voice. It's very rare. Here we get, he hears a voice that calls him and he answers, here am I. And he for sure thinks it's Eli. So he runs in to ask Eli, what do you want? And Eli said, I didn't call you, go back to bed happens three times, doesn't it? And by the third time, Eli figures this out. This is the Lord talking to him. And so he tells him, you listen and do whatever he asks. Um, it's, a, it's a very beautiful kind of situation where you see little boy Samuel learning to recognize that. And even Eli putting that together as well.
0: So why is it you think that we don't always easily recognize when the Lord is trying to communicate with us?
4: It's a different voice, isn't it? It, it, I need to put myself in a different kind of situation. I can remember the first time I recognized the Lord speaking to me.
0: Tell us about it.
4: I was in college, had just turned 21. My bishop was asking me to go on a mission. I did not want to go on a mission and I fought it and yet I'm praying about it because I've got a feeling that I need to give that a chance and it took a long time and I look looking back I recognized he had told me multiple times before I ever recognized it but what a blessing in the same way that Samuel he it doesn't just once twice three times you can get the idea he would have done it probably 10 times if necessary right? right but um i don't know how many times it took for me but i will never forget that and and the the beautiful thing was not that what the answer was yes or no it was that he actually answered me wow. he had a direction for me and for me it was to go on a mission
0: that's great Thank and it you. changed
4: my life mm-hmm.
0: you know it was interesting um the other day, my wife and I we were sitting in church. Far too often, I, I sit back and I just enjoy, you know, what is happening. And for some reason, I just felt this urge, like you should go share your testimony about this specific thing that I, I had recently experienced. And I didn't, I didn't do anything about it. I just kind of sat there, and I was just like, you know what? I'll let everybody else go up. And what's so funny is my wife. She goes. Okay, honey, it's your turn. And she goes, come on, go ahead. Goes, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. I, I could not believe, because she had no, I didn't express to her that I was having these feelings. And I, I really appreciated that I had felt something, but I wasn't going to do anything about it. I, I, I would assume she felt something as well and was like, hey, tell your husband to go. So sometimes we do need that encouragement to act on these feelings that we have. What gives you the courage to act on a prompting that you receive hope
5: sometimes when i see like my friends sad it makes me sad so i want to go help them and like i feel prompting voice like kind of sweet saying go help them
0: do you ever get scared to go
5: help them sometimes yeah i'm uh, like i'm kind of worried that they're gonna like kind of
0: it's not gonna work and then they're gonna be a little bit upset
5: more upset
0: so hope what gives you the courage to just do it anyway?
5: Like, a lot of people say that I'm really good at making people feel happier when
4: like, I'm around them. So I just try, because usually works. What a great example of a young Samuel right yes. there.
0: <laughs> Cami, uh, how's it been like for you learning to recognize the voice of the Lord?
4: I
1: remember many, many years ago, I wanted to know, what, what does it sound like for me? Like, how does that look for me? And so I would pray. I would say, Heavenly Father, I want to hear your voice. Will you help me to recognize what that sounds like for me? Because I want to have that personal relationship with you. And I felt like over time, it it took really being intentional. And I think sometimes, too, it's being inside your own thoughts for a little bit and quieting the rest of the world. And I think sometimes those answers will come I'll find myself when I'm driving now, I'll just turn everything off and I'll just listen and I'll, I'll talk to Heavenly Father and just listen. And, um, and, I, and I'm getting these things that I wouldn't normally get because I'm normally you know, sit, singing along with the radio or listening to a podcast, which I love and I love those things and I think those things are so good. But I think that there can be moments when we turn it all off, when we shut it all down and we say, Heavenly Father, teach me.
4: I wanna learn, I wanna know. And sometimes in the car alone is the one time that we can control that.
0: I love that. So what was Eli's role in in helping young Samuel?
4: I think it was critical, wasn't it? I mean, Samuel didn't understand and Eli pointed out to him, that is the Lord specifically. And now you listen and do what he says. And what a difference. I think that makes a difference in all of our lives. I know missionaries are so much better now than I was as a missionary to inform and educate those that they teach what you're feeling right now. That's the spirit. And and to identify that makes a big difference as far as whether I will
0: respond or not. Because for so many people, you know, just like Samuel, young Samuel, he, he was feeling something and had no idea. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, as missionaries go out and they serve, and some of their investigators are the people they they talk with. They're going to feel things. So why is it so important to make the connection uh, as to what they are feeling?
1: I work in the primary right now, which I love. So I get to do the music in primary right now. And so I have the opportunity to be sitting with those beautiful, those 40 kids that sit in there. And, um, you know, this last week, for instance, we were singing a song and the spirit was so strong in that room it was tangible, it was beautiful and right then I asked them, do you feel that? Do you feel what I feel right now? And you you could see you know the adults in the room were like, well, I know what that is and I, I made it very clear like this is the spirit testifying of the words that are in this song this is about the Savior and these things are true. the, the spirit speaks truth. And and that's what he testifies on. And
4: I think that's what's so important that we know, isn't it? Because that's how we recognize truth. And we are not deceived. If we know that's coming from the Spirit, um, we trust it and move forward.
0: So we've talked about learning to recognize the voice of the Lord. We've talked about learning to act when we hear his voice. Uh, We have a question from one of our viewers that takes us to another level of hearing him. My name is Ashley Millard, and I'm from Spanish Fork, Utah. As my son's baptism draws closer and closer, I've been trying to find ways to help him recognize the voice of the Spirit. How can I help him and my other children learn how to hear him, even at a young age, just like Samuel? So that's a great question. Cami. Uh, what are your thoughts?
1: So for me, like when we when we pray in, at night or, or even like at meals and different things, I will... Um, I or whoever is saying the prayer will ask that the Spirit can be with us. Mm-hmm. Like, please bless that the Spirit can be with us. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a constant phrase in the house to know that, like, that's an important thing for us. We really want to have the Spirit with us. And we're willing to, in every prayer that we say, and please bless that the Spirit can be with us. Because it's
4: it's vital to be able to, like you said, survive. I think that is interesting. It's asking and acknowledging when it is there there's so much of that and they're small things but they reinforce and would i think make a difference with children i see mothers everywhere and you think of hannah Mm -hmm. and we don't know those first three years but you know she was bearing her witness in some way um it was everything to her and and she not only when she gives up samuel to Eli, she and, and still comes that was, back.
0: That was her idea, wasn't
4: yes, it? Yes, yes, yeah. she offered that. Yes, yeah. that's what she did. But she comes back every year, too, remember? Brings a little coat. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure she just doesn't give a coat. I'm sure there's something else that's communicated there. I, you, you've got to say, if we're looking at these as examples, there's an environment that has been established where the spirit can be there. Um, Hannah knew it from the tabernacle there, the, the holy sanctuary, and in prayer, in her communication with God. And now here she's put her son to live right there by the tabernacle and be around it all the time. So I think giving children opportunities to, to, to be in an environment where the spirit is there. Our homes can be some of the most incredible places for that. But that puts a lot of responsibility
0: on us. I love that. Thank you. What are some of the things that you have done or are doing in your homes to provide an environment where we can hear him? Anna.
7: Um, like, education for me is really important. And I educated my five children. The promptings to me came at. Don't know if this is unusual, through dreams. Mm. I had a dream of my oldest daughter wearing a lab coat, working in a lab. I'm going, I'll talk to her about it. Her name is Karina. And I talked to Karina about it, and I says, I saw you in a lab. And she goes, oh, Mom, that's cool, because I want to take a biology class next semester or so. And so she loved it. She became a biochemist. <laughs> and she became instrumental in creating the testing for Ebola wow. in one hour. And she was one of the ones. And I thought maybe that was a prompting from God, right? Mm-hmm. So thank goodness my kids listen to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank you so much. What a great example. Any final thoughts, Camille or Cammy?
7: President
4: Nelson taught us in April of 2018. In the coming days, it will not be possible to survive spiritually without the guiding, directing, comforting, and constant influence of the Holy Ghost. I think it's been just one of the real inspired directions that we've received from President Nelson to encourage us to, what is the word? Intentionally. Intentionally strive to hear Him and to put ourselves in positions where we can be more open to receive the Spirit. When He invites us and encourages us to learn better and more intentionally to hear Him, He's doing it because He loves us and He wants us to be prepared for whatever lies ahead.
0: I love that. Hmm. Cami.
1: You know, I think of um, the the phrase, hear Him, that's, that's hearing Heavenly Father and the messages that He has for us. Like He's constantly wanting to give us customized curriculum that is specific for us. And if we're intentionally looking for that, He will give it to us. And it comes gradually and it comes line upon line as we open our hearts and our minds to that inspiration. And that, that divine direction, He wants to help us through all the things that we go through.
0: Thank you so much. This has been such a great conversation. We've had some amazing comments from the audience. As we finish up this discussion on our second topic, I can hear and obey the voice of the Lord.
1: I was going through some difficult challenges, hard courses. There were things I wasn't sure I was going to master. And pouring out my soul to the Lord really helped
5: me feel His strength and His confidence in me, knowing that I could get through and that I was a daughter of God. When I was 19, I had submitted my papers to um, serve mission, And one day my state president called me into his office and he said, you're going to West Virginia for three months. And I was not expecting that because I was from Virginia. And I at that point, we're still getting pap- letters in the mail. And I that wasn't a letter. That was my state president. So I went home and I was really upset. And I poured my heart out to the Lord. And I was like, why? Am I going so close to home? Why am I going for only three months? Do you not think that I can do it? And it wasn't until the end of my mission when I finally understood why three months was a good good time for me. It was perfect because I came home and I had another friend at home interested in the gospel and he ended up getting baptized.
0: Welcome to Come Follow Up Footnotes. I'm really excited. We have talked about so many good things already in the first part of the episode. And there's still so much more that we can talk about. And so uh, I want to get back to the story of Hannah and uh, kind of her, her process through this for the prayer and for seeking the Lord's help.
4: She definitely had a relationship with God. Let's just go back and look at the words that she prays. Verse 10, she was in bitterness of soul. I mean, I think in our extremities, sometimes words are given to us more or we're able to articulate or communicate, even if we can't come up with the words.
1: I think bitterness of soul, at least to me, that says like she was in desperation. Like she was just desperate for this answer. Like deep, deep in in her heart, she had just this, pain and this heaviness Mm -hmm. about that and so she poured out her heart and she prayed to the lord Mm. like and and i I love that that's what she was willing to do in her bitterness when she was in the depths and the darkness Mm -hmm. that that's what where she went is that she turned
4: to the lord she is just so bitter isn't bitterness of soul and prayed unto the lord and wept sore and she vowed a vow and said oh lord of hosts if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid but will give unto thine handmaid a man child then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life and there shall be no razor come upon his head. And I just put that with I got a code to one I just thought of as I read that in the Book of Mormon Alma 33 verse 11. This is Zenas and this is part of his prayer. And I think it sounds similar to Hannah's. Verse 11 Thou didst hear me, Zena says, because of mine afflictions. I think it's interesting. It's not because of my righteousness, it's not because of my checklist that I've done everything mm-hmm. that I'm mm-hmm. supposed to. Um, you hear me because of mine afflictions and my sincerity. Mm-hmm. I love this. I love and it is because of thy son. That thou hast been thus merciful unto me, therefore I will cry unto thee in all mine afflictions. For in thee is my joy, for thou hast turned thy judgments away from me, because of thy son. Um, I I think that's that's Hannah, yeah. isn't she? And and there's there's something there that she's almost even when she before she's received an answer, she has put her entire trust in the Lord. And there's almost. Because of the knowledge that he is with her, you can almost already start to sense some joy, don't you think? And
0: yes, absolutely. You can see her willingness, like what the length she's willing to go to, mm-hmm. to and to be able to have this experience that she's seeking. She's like, I will, could you imagine? She's willing to give up her child. To be able, just give me those, those I, moments.
4: I can't even, I cannot even imagine that.
0: You know, we, we, we get an example of this in the Book of Mormon as well. This progression of what am I willing to give up to know you? Mm-hmm. You know, we have this wonderful story of when Aaron is teaching uh, King Lamoni's father. Mm-hmm. And he says, I will, I'll give up half my sins. Mm-hmm. But then when that sincerity gets in, he's like, take it all. Yes. I will give up everything if yeah. I can just feel closer to you. And it's when he
4: says, I will give away all my sins, that you just say, yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, he it's right to the very core of who he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, um, and, and I think there is, there's a power in prayer there. Back in the Bible dictionary, it talks about prayer being work, and I think you can sense that mm-hmm. in, in Hannah's prayer
0: here. So with, with a lot of these women that we have been talking about, there is a, some serious grieving uh, that is happening. Do you feel sometimes that we're ashamed to grieve or we feel like we're not allowed to grieve, that we're doing something wrong uh, as we're doing that? Um, what do we learn from their experience or just thoughts in general on the grieving process?
1: I think that there is sometimes when you think, I'm just supposed to be happy. I'm just supposed to take all everything that's given to me and put a smile on my face. I think sometimes that's the, almost the, it feels this pressure in in this world to kind of just take it as good as you can and and put a smile on your face. But I and I, but I think it's very real. Like it's and it's and I think it's okay to go and in, into that place and grieve. Like she she really went there with her with her grievances
4: and i think sometimes not only is it okay but it seems like it is it is critical for our understanding and mm-hmm. for that communication to be completely full what we read how many times the idea that it's through our suffering that we are made perfect and i've just felt and thought so often that if we will let him god will take us to that place where no one else can help us but him mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we can shortchange the suffering and the grieving mm-hmm. by thinking, I can't go there. I'll just stay busy. I'll just go and do something else. And there's something he wants to teach
0: us from Absolutely. that.
1: Absolutely.
0: Specifically, I mean, poor Naomi. Mm. I mean, she loses her husband. She loses uh, her, her sons. S- her sons mm-hmm. You know, and yet miracles take place.
4: Oh and, and and look at that that very end when they're blessing when, um little Obed the baby and the women of all around Bethlehem come around Ruth or Naomi verse 15 and they kind of pronounce this blessing upon her um, starting with verse 14 and the women said unto Naomi blessed be the lord which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman. And you know, the word kinsman in Hebrew is really redeemer. It's one who redeems. And I think that is helpful Mm -hmm. in this, that his name may be famous in Israel, and he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life, and a nourisher of thine old age. And thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons, has borne him. She came in to Bethlehem saying, I went out full and I've come back empty and just whatever Ruth is, and by the end, man, she is, she's better than all the other blessings I could have imagined. It, she, she is full, more full than she has ever imagined before.
1: And I think that's kind of part of the process, too, knowing grief, to know also the other side of grief, to know pain so that you know joy. Yes. And that's all a part of the process of this lifetime, that we understand both sides,
4: opposition exactly. in all things.
1: Mm-hmm. Camille, can I ask
0: beautiful. you a question? Mm-hmm. So, as we're we're talking about, we, we we spend a lot of time focusing on, on Hannah and on Ruth and Naomi. Um, I've always been interested in, in Boaz, and, and his role, mm-hmm. and and I'm really impressed with how he treats Ruth. Um, can you talk about him, like? Is the fact that he's so kind to Ruth, is that, is that rare for somebody like him to be kind to somebody like her?
4: You know, the law of Moses talks about being kind to strangers in your land, okay. but it's one thing to get the commandment and another thing to live it, right? Mm-hmm. And we've seen that there was bad feelings and, and distrust among a lot of the different peoples that lived around there. Boaz definitely shines in this story as being the one that steps forward. No one else steps up to help them. We're in chapter 2. Okay. And he's told her, you just stay here. Don't go to other fields. And she says in verse 10, Why have I found grace in thine eyes, that thou shouldst take knowledge of me, seeing that I am a stranger? I think this is just a new experience that she's been treated so kindly. And then he gives his answer, which I think is also, just so insightful about who he is. He said in verse 11, It hath fully been shown me all that thou hast done unto thy mother in law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother and the land of thy nativity, and art come unto a people which thou knewest not before. What is absent is here is as he's attracted. To her, it's through her kindness and her thoughtfulness and her service and her sacrifice and her conversion to a, a, another religion and not her appearance. We also know this. He, he says this to her as he's really trying to protect her reputation as they're there at night on the threshing uh, floor. Uh, verse 11 of chapter three now my daughter fear not i will do to thee all that thou requirest which is this whole plan and hopefully that he can redeem her and naomi which in his case is going to be to marry ruth for all the city of my people know doth know that thou art a virtuous woman i find this so fascinating i mean one people have to say other people have noticed this about ruth but he's really treating her kindly. And maybe the fact that he's treated her so kindly has made other people treat her kindly. But that word virtuous is fascinating to me because it is the very same word used to describe Boaz back here in chapter two, verse one. Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth. In Hebrew, the mighty and the virtuous are the very same word. And mm-hmm. what I have found in the King James translation of the Bible, whenever it's a woman that they're describing as mighty and strong, they use virtuous. Mm-hmm. So in Proverbs 31, who can find a virtuous woman for her prices above rubies? This is a strong, capable, mighty woman. Mm-hmm.
0: I love that. Because sometimes we look at the word virtue, we don't associate it with strength and power and to, to assign an attribute like that to, to women, yeah. I think, is, is very empowering.
4: And, and I think, yeah, sometimes we, we've narrowed it to be kind of sexual purity, mm. but this is much broader than that. I mean, it is in all aspects of our character, um, there is strength, uh, a, a commitment that goes beyond what would you would say would be expected.
0: And at the same time, I love how Boaz is a mighty man showing kindness.
4: Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: This small act that he recognizes, for one thing, I'm reminded of Joseph, how mm-hmm. Joseph protected Mary, yes. you know, when mm-hmm. he, he didn't have to do what he did, but he was so careful to make sure that mm-hmm. her virtue was protected Just like what Boaz is doing. Look, I'm going to make sure I I got you guys. I'm going to protect you. He recognized how good Ruth is. It's those small little things that I think can go so far in life that we don't recognize. Mm -hmm. How have you guys seen that, um, you know, throughout experiences that you've had? How have you seen small little acts of kindness lead to greater things?
1: Well, it's it's thinking outside of yourself. It's thinking about other people. It is wanting, like, I care about your happiness. And I think that that, like, focusing on the outward is actually helping us inwardly too. Mm -hmm. And that's the magic of it, is as as you look outward, you're actually doing good things for yourself
4: inside. So I I love that it's... And look what Hannah did. I mean... She had a little sense when she says, I'll give him back to the Lord, but she would not have had the sense of just what a difference Samuel was, is going to make mm-hmm. to, the, to the Israelites. I think in some ways, parents do that with missionaries. it be it 18 months or two years. There's something about the trust that is there. You give me this child, I will give him back to you. And in the long run, isn't that what it is? That Hannah says, "I have lent him to the Lord." In many ways, the Lord lends us his children, wow. and and our responsibility is to do what we can to help them come back to him.
0: Wow! I'd like to go back to this because we're grieving this idea of grief. Um, we've had some specific, you know, with the death of of husbands and. Um, this grief of being barren with with Hannah, mm-hmm. there's so much grief that exists. What what are what kinds of grief do do we go through today that mm-hmm. you know, we can turn to these examples on how to mm-hmm. to overcome and, and work through that?
4: I mean, infertility is definitely one, and it and and it is not a rarity. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just think of. Good righteous parents um, that so want that, and sometimes it doesn't happen in the way it's the story happens right. here. But it's a righteous desire, and they and the the, the prayers that are poured out. There's um, marriage not ever finding marriage, right.
0: um, or being in an unhealthy, or marriage. being in yeah. a
4: very unhealthy and unhappy marriage, and not seeing any way out. Right. There's poor health that that just it happens and and that doesn't look like things are changing.
0: So, Cami, as we've looked at, um, you know, with Naomi losing her her husband, losing her sons, do you see um, similar ways of grieving? And as you've talked about your divorce. Are there ways that you can relate and connect with this story of Naomi and Ruth losing loved ones with going through a divorce like that?
1: For sure, there's a level of mourning there. There was there's this hope that you have. And I think that this that we almost in in all of the 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 circumstances that you just named, a lot of them are because we have an expectation of something mm-hmm. that we're that we want. Like you said, a righteous desire like our righteous desire to have a child and to be married and a righteous desire to um to have a happy marriage and and so part of that grief is like mourning the fact that it's not going the way that you thought it was going to and that's the sense of grief that so many people go through with with um you know mental issues and things just with depression and anxiety and um, with, with family members who are who are struggling too. We, as a mom, you feel it. If your kids are struggling, you feel it. You feel their emotions with them. And, and that is also a sense of grief and, and expectation that is not being met. And so as we, you know, we come to these obstacles and these mountains, I feel like there's, you know, we have the little lifelines along the way and the little things that will help you get to the next point. And then when you get, to the top of that mountain and you look down and realize, look at all that growth. Look at what I learned. Like I could not have learned what I know right now if I had not climbed that crazy hard mountain. I've I've referred to it as my beautiful heartbreak that now I look back and I go, okay, I was heartbroken, heartbroken, but what a beautiful thing that came because of this
4: process I had to go through. See, that's Isaiah wrote about the Savior's mission, that he would heal broken hearts. And I often, many times I used to see that and go, why not prevent broken hearts? Because wouldn't it be lovely if we didn't have to? But then you think about it. He, He came to heal them, and a heart that is broken and healed by the Savior, I believe, feels more deeply, loves more completely, Absolutely. understands more broadly than a heart that is never, that is never broken. Okay. And and so his, his healing magnifies um, our understanding Absolutely. and our potential to love.
1: Well, and sometimes you, like I've heard it called like broken. Like if you're struggling Mm -hmm. if you're 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 broken. broken. And I I imagine myself at one point being that like that vase, the broken vase. Mm -hmm. And there were pieces of me just all over the floor. And I I'm like, hey, let's start putting it back together and figure this out. And I had a good friend point this out to me just recently that in those places where that all came back together, there was the glue. But before the glue was put in there, a whole lot of light came through all those little cracks. And that's where all the light came in. I, I grew immensely. I, as, as you turn your complete heart over to the Lord and say, I give you everything and I trust you, then all of a sudden the light just starts coming. And, and if you open your heart and open your mind to those things, He will fill it with all kinds
4: of light. When Hannah gave away Samuel, she could be going home and just going, it's over, it's over. But still, the light comes through Mm -hmm. and you see her, hear her sing or pray this remarkable song of gratitude um, and love and praise to
0: to God. And that's the common thread that I love that we Mm -hmm. see through all these stories, through all of our personal stories and experiences, is that the Savior is with us all along the way. This has been so beneficial and uplifting, Mm -hmm. uh, as we've talked about with our first topic. I can trust that God will guide and help me regardless of my situation, and I can hear and obey the voice of the Lord. Thank you so much for sharing your experiences and your stories with us. And thank all of you for watching at home. We wanna invite and encourage you to follow any of those promptings that you have heard and that we can really take to heart President Nelson's admonition to hear him and all that we do. Thanks again for watching and please join us next time for another episode of Come Follow Up.